Glad you could join us today. And uh, this is our second installment of Church Online. Uh, things are still in our houses, in our homes. We're all quarantined, doing our thing, doing our part. Uh, being good citizens, and so thank you so much for uh, just walking this journey out with us, and we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're just going to start with just a few little, uh, Lisa tells me she has a few questions for me, and as you guys are kind of logging on, getting situated with us, uh, we welcome you. Thanks for coming, and we're just going to kind of kill a little bit of time as people get situated here. I know a lot of families, you have it maybe sitting on your table, you're getting ready to go. If you are watching as a group right now, all we're going to ask is that somebody's at the keyboard. If somebody at the keyboard asking questions, uh, making comments, we want to have dialogue. The beauty of doing this online is we have a little more access to one another. And so you can talk in church today. And so make sure somebody's doing that in your context, wherever you're watching. But welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. All right. Well, we're going to start it off easy and get progressively harder. So the easy question is, if you could ride your bike anywhere in the world, where would it be? So let me let me clarify bike. When you say bike, Motorbike. you're talking about motorcycle. Yes. Okay. Well, I have someone many of you know, a friend named Andy, who just got back from Ecuador. And he did a ride where they would go from elevations of sea level all the way to, I think it was 15,000 feet or something. Um, to the point where oxygen was was limited. And I just like the challenge of that. I think that that'd be a fun ride. So doing a big circuit through Ecuador, just all the elevation, the scenery, I saw pictures, is beautiful. So I think right now, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Ecuador. Ecuador, okay. I wouldn't go anywhere, so we're going to skip the, like, what would you do question. I would let the bike sit in the garage and fly somewhere. I think that'd be my choice. Okay, next question. Again, we're getting progressively harder. So um, I know that God has been speaking to you and drawing you closer to him during this time. So what is one uh, passage of scripture or verse that you just feel like God's been taking you back to in this season? Yeah, so Philippians chapter 4. Um, we did we did a while ago a Wednesday night Bible study. It was our first one, and I just really felt uh, Philippians chapter four and verses four to, um, to seven, uh, where it talks about, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, this is, this is so key to life, but it's so key, particularly to life in times of unknown, in times when fear wants to creep in, um, that we step into it. And then it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, you know, it's interesting when crisis hits, uh, people can get a little weird get a little panicky. And there's this, this, this beautiful kind of picture that in Christ, as, as we understand that, that God is near to us, that we can be reasonable in these times. We can walk in a way that is perhaps different than the world around us and the context around us. But then it, it goes on, you know, the Lord is at hand, but be not anxious about anything, but in everything, make your requests known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds. And that, for me, has just been a go-to through, uh, that, that's one of my favorite verses, period. But particularly in this season, it's kind of breathed new life into my soul and has encouraged me along the way. Okay. So what you're saying is leave the toilet paper on the shelf. Just buy one, people. <laughs> just buy one. 
yeah, it's been a little bit crazy. We went to Savon the other day and we bought like a four pack. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's a little, a little nuts. Okay. So if you could add a 13th month to the year, where would you put it? Like which season and what would you call it? Oh man. If I could add a 13th yeah. month to the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Is there like season you'd want to extend or prolong? I, I, I would want to extend and prolong that little mini week between Christmas and New Year's. I think I would stick it in there and it would just be a 13th month where we would all just recover. It would so be, we would do this. It would be like this. It would be this, but it would be optional and you could go outside and do stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's where I put it because I think coming out of the new year into a new year is, is always an exhausting moment. So I think that would be a beauty rest period. And what would you name it? Oh, I would name it. I don't know. Uh, restuary. Restuary. Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Too early in the morning for creative See, I moments. told you they're getting progressively harder. So our last hard question for you is if you could only give up one, are you ready? The gym or the motorcycle? Inquiring minds want to know, uh, what would you give up? Okay, this might, oh man. I think this is the hardest question of this whole thing. Uh, I, I honestly... I would have to go with, I would give up the motorcycle. Okay, why? Because the the motorcycle, though the benefits are many, like emotional health, <laughs> it's the best way to self-isolate. Uh, the adventures, the places you can go, the things you can see, the people you meet along the way. Uh, the gym just adds too much to my whole life because it does a lot of the same things and I get healthier in body, mind, and in, in a lot of ways in spirit too. So I'd have to go with, I'd keep the gym and I'd, I'd ditch the motorcycle. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in Evangel Church family and guests. We are just so glad that you're here. Pastor Marcus right now is on our comment thread. And so we want you just to treat that as our lobby. We want to interact with you there. That's why Pastor Lucas mentioned before, if you are watching as a group, make sure that you have somebody on your keyboard that's going to be kind of answering some questions that are going to be thrown out at you. Um, but also if you have prayer requests, we really mm -hmm. want to hear that. We are going to have space at the end of our service to pray together. Um, so make sure that you're commenting on there, but comment on other people's comments. Um, again, this is our lobby, and so our lobby isn't one-sided with just our pastoral staff <laughs> commenting back on what we're talking about. It's community, and so we want that to be available to you today. Well, we want to invite you into a day of prayer and fasting, and we're going to um, just pray before Pastor Lucas brings the message in a moment. But we have been invited by the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and the Evangelical Fellowship of Christians to 
um, joined together today with our brothers and sisters across mm -hmm. Canada to petition God for his protection for the end of this crisis. And so we are going to do that together. But if you've never um, made the discipline of fasting part of your life or your expression, why not join us today? And let's join our prayers together in unity because we believe that God is still powerful and in control. There is a lot happening during this COVID-19 crisis um, with moving church online. And there is just so much that we have implemented here to make sure that the community is still a part of your life, to make sure that your kids and your teenagers aren't missing out on what they would normally have as part of church. So if you go to myevangel.church, myevangel.church, there's a header bar right at the top that talks about our COVID-19 response. And every single link to all of those things, to Evangel Kids, Evangel Youth, Coffee Times, Bible Study, right here, is there. Uh, the last two things are that we are going to be here until 12 o'clock today. We rely so heavily on your generosity to keep the lights on, to keep the internet on so that we can do things like this. And so if you are able to give, um, you can give online. In the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, there's a blue icon that will walk you through a giving flow. Or if you want to give by debit machine or cash or check, we will be here for drive through generosity until 12 o'clock today. And we're making sure that that's really safe for you. Um, but you can give that way. We are also in the office all week on our regular hours. So head on over to our website to see what those are. But we just so greatly appreciate your generosity in this time. Last thing is that at the end of the message, we are going to be joining together for communion. And it is just our natural communion Sunday. And we decided we still wanted that to be part of how we explored faith together um, today and our expression of worship. If you do not have crackers and grape juice at home, that's okay. Like grab the Teddy Graham, grab whatever you've got. And we did kind of have a conversation in the office about, well, it's a fasting day. And do we still take communion, partake in that together? And we decided that's actually the perfect way um, to just once again, acknowledge the sovereignty and what Jesus did on the cross for us by mm -hmm. having that be part of this day of prayer and fasting. So can I ask you to join me in prayer before we go to the message? So Father God, we are so grateful that we are not limited by proximity, that you are not contained to this one building or this one church, but that mm -hmm. God, you are present with all of us right now, yeah, that your well. spirit is here. And so, God, we thank you that exactly what you would do when we are gathered together, you can do in our homes. You can lead us deeper into who you are and the truth of that, that, God, you can unite our hearts in community, that, God, you uh, still do miracles, that you still move in miraculous ways. And so we lift our prayers right now, God, oh, with sure. all of the Christians in Canada that are stopping today to pray and to fast and to petition you for the miraculous. Mm -hmm. God, we pray for protection over our frontline workers, over those that are deemed essential services. God, we pray that as they go to work to keep um, Canadians safe, 
to keep our society running as normal as it can, that God, you would truly guard their going out and their coming in, that as they return home to families that they love, that that worry and that fear, God, you would replace with certainty of your protection, that you would replace, God, um, with your peace. So we pray for protection over them. God, we pray that you would stop this virus, that you would prove that you are greater than all things. We know that, God. We are confident in it. We trust you. And so we ask you, God, to heal in your mighty name. God, we pray for all of those that are dealing with mental health issues in the midst of this self-isolation, in the midst of this crisis. Once again, God, would you move to bring peace where there is fear and anxiety? Would you move to be our comforter where there is loneliness and isolation? Would you bring unity and love and grace to households that are bound in turmoil? God, we know that where you move, things change. And so we petition you right now, Jesus, would you move? Would you step into kitchens and bedrooms and living rooms and wherever we have people on their knees praying? Would we sense your presence? We know your nearness. And God, we trust that you are moving, that you have not stopped moving. We trust that you were not waiting for us to petition you to turn this situation to good. And so we just rest in who you are and in your faithfulness in the past and that we will once again be able to look back on this situation and see your faithfulness now. We know who you are. Help us to rest in it. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. So thank you, church. I'm going to pass over to Pastor Lucas and we will be back at the end. Amen. Right on. Like like uh, Pastor Lisa said, if, if you don't have kind of some of the elements that we normally have during communion, don't stress it. Uh, don't stress it. You know, it's it's not so much about the elements, but it's the act of remembering and the act of acknowledging the spirit as we partake in communion together. And I think it's going to be a powerful moment for all of us. I think that this is a great opportunity to acknowledge that God is in control, that he's king, that he came, he saved this this planet saves humanity, and we get to do that. So when we jump in here, we're going to jump into the, some teaching of God's Word, and I hope that this is an encouragement to you today. And we are in a series called Hebrews, and the, the series, the, kind of the subtitle has been The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. And so what an exciting and timely thing to be talking about. We didn't know that this kind of season was uh, on the horizon for us as a church and as a, as a world, really. And uh, what a, what a just a great thing, just knowing that Jesus is supreme and that he's sufficient in this season. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you. I want to ask you a question. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to maybe dialogue. If you're with people right now, if you're with your family or your spouse or with others, would you just uh, just answer this question in your group, whoever you're with? What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Maybe you're alone. You want to just put it in the comments below? Uh, Just throw it in the comments. What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? And you're allowed to, if you want to okay Google it, if you want to ask, ask Alexa or ask Siri, go for it. The difference between... Absolutely. We'd have so much to talk about. Facts. There you go. See, Siri just jumped up on me here. So I'm going to make her go away. 
real quick. Gotta love being alive. The difference between sympathy and empathy. Just wanna give you a moment. We're gonna to try to create a little bit of dialogue today. So I will create some awkward moments on the live feed. Sympathy and empathy. According to uh, psychology today, they, they define sympathy this way. The ability to cognitively understand the situation of another without the emotional overlay. And I'm just gonna read that one more time. The ability to cognitively understand the situation of another without the emotional overlay. In other words, you understand someone's plight, but, but you're not emotionally impacted yourself. You, you don't take into account the emotional impact on the other. Empathy, on the other hand, is deeper and arguably harder for the giver, but much more healing for the one who receives it. Empathy, according to Psychology Today, says this, empathy is the visceral experience of another person's thoughts and feelings from his or her point of view rather than from one's own. Empathy facilitates pro-social or helping behaviors that come from within rather than being forced so that people behave in a more compassionate manner. You see, empathy puts you into another person's shoes. Empathy is, is understanding not just cognitively the situation that they're in, but you begin to understand and you begin to feel the emotion of how that situation must feel for that person. You begin to put yourself in their shoes on every level of human experience. But not all levels of empathy are created equal. I don't know if, if, if you understand, but, but the deepest level of empathy is when you yourself have experienced the same situation or the same circumstance. Uh, for, for example, those of you, some are watching and you have battled cancer in your life. You have battled and you're on the other side of that battle. You have come through that battle. When you come alongside someone who currently is facing that journey of battling cancer, you can empathize at the deepest of levels because you live the experience. Not just from a cognitive perspective, but you lived it emotionally. You lived every layer of human experience through that journey. And so when you come alongside someone, you have a, 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 an ability to empathize with their journey at the deepest of levels. You know, for, for a while there, we were all sympathizing with China. We were sympathizing with Wuhan province and what they were going through, but it didn't take long for us to shift from sympathy to empathy. Why? Because we are now experiencing that reality. And so we, though before we were just cognitively understanding the situation and we could sympathize, but now because we're going through it, we can begin to, at a deeper level, understand all the emotional overlay of the situation. Today, I, I want to make the argument that God is not one who sympathizes with his creation, 
but rather he is one who empathizes at the deepest level with each and every one of us. If you're taking notes, I'm going to ask you to write this down. We take notes at Evangel. If you're tuning in and you're not part of the Evangel kind of culture and ethos, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us. And we do. We take notes. Uh, this is something we do every Sunday. And we have many people that bring their notebooks to church. And there's just something powerful about writing things down and accessing different parts of just your brain and your, your, your process. So if you're taking notes, write this down even at home. Jesus is empathy personified. Jesus is empathy personified. And if you have your Bibles, pull them out. If you have you version, you're going to do it on your phone, or if you have your physical Bible, I'm going to ask you to pull that out at this time and turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 15. And that's where we're going to be camping out today. But Hebrews chapter 2, 10 to 15. And if you don't have your Bible, um, Pastor Marcus is going to post this. He's going to be looking this up right away. He'll post it in the comments so you can read it there. But what I'm going to ask is that everybody reads this on their own. If you're by yourself, I'm going to ask you, read it out loud. If you're with your family, I'm going to ask someone in the room to read it out loud. I'm going to go silent, and you're going to read it. And I think that there's something powerful about the ability to read Scripture out loud, and that is going to be happening across this region. We're going to be declaring God's Word across this region. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 15. It's going to be in the comments as well. And have one person read it out loud. Every household across this region, wherever you find yourselves, let's declare the word of God. Ready? Set. Go. All right, friends, I hope you had the opportunity to read that. I'm not going to lie. I feel a little bit like a real-life Dora the Explorer right now with those long, awkward pauses and response as I sit in an empty room. But thank you. Thank you for just doing that. I, I believe that there's something powerful about God's Word being declared, and I love just the picture. I can just picture it of just God being read out loud across this region and wherever you're at. And I think that's powerful. I want to read it to you, perhaps in a bit of a different way. It's a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson called The Message. And we're going to kind of be uh, just basing kind of out, of out of this, because I like some of the language that Eugene Peterson used when he paraphrased Scripture. And he says it in this way. It makes good sense that the God who got everything started 
and keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect through suffering as he leads all these people to glory. Since the one who saves and those who are saved have a common origin, Jesus doesn't hesitate to treat them as family, saying, I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and my sisters, all I know about you. I'll join them in worship and praise to you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, even I live by placing my trust in God. And yet again, here I'm here with the children of God that God gave me. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death, get this, and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Let's pray. Lord, as we dig into your word, Lord, may we, each of us, have an experience of your Holy Spirit revealing truth to us, whatever our context, whether we are mature in faith, whether we're new to faith or we're exploring faith today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would meet us wherever we are and that you would reveal your word to us in a way that brings encouragement, that brings life, and that brings Jesus to the forefront of all that we're thinking about and all that we're doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's so much going on in this passage. When, when I read this paraphrase, I was, I was struck by Eugene Peterson's use of, the, of, of two words. He, he called Jesus the salvation pioneer. The salvation pioneer. I don't know if you noticed that too. My ESV translation uses the word founder. It uses the word founder. Well, this made me think there must be something there in the original Greek that has these words being used because it seems so unique and so different in, in an ex expression of, of who Jesus is. And the Greek word is actually ahegos. In its simplest form, it means founder or chief or head. But, but the word is, is even more nuanced than that. It's better described as a founder who invites others into what was founded. For example, a founder of a city who then invites others to live in that city that they founded. William Barclay, he writes this, One basic idea clings to the word in all its uses. An ahegos is someone who brings, begins something in order that others may enter into it. Someone who begins something in order that others may enter into it. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because that is the very basis of creation in the first place. Humanity was invited into a world founded by God as our creator. A place to live out fulfilled and content lives in the perfection of that original intention of creation. And of course, the story goes sideways when Adam and Eve decide to partake of that one tree that was forbidden to them, that, that tree that existed so there would be freedom of the will, but it held the knowledge of good and evil. And in that moment, it's interesting that God doesn't just sympathize with humanity. 
He he doesn't just say, oh, that's too bad. He doesn't he doesn't go, oh, that's too bad, and then walk away and just kind of leave things as they were. Rather, he makes a promise in that moment, the fall of man, the fall of creation. He makes a promise. He empathizes with humanity. And he reveals another founder that will come, who will found a way back to the Father, who will found and, and make a way and invite everyone into this moment. This is a God who empathizes with his creation. He saw our broken, our broken plan, our brokenness, and the plan was hatched to send Jesus to save humanity from its brokenness and sin. Uh, the founder or, or pioneer of salvation, as Eugene Peterson puts it, is Jesus. Jesus, the founder of all things, comes and makes himself like us. He experiences every level of human emotion. He endures the suffering of this broken world. He, he suffers more than anyone in human history. Now, I want you just to contemplate the ability for our creator, because of Jesus, to empathize with you right now. He can empathize with your situation at the deepest level of the emotional experience you're going through. Jesus personified empathy to the deepest level of human suffering. Our Savior can empathize and relate to everything that you're going through today. Now, I don't know what your situation is. You know, it's interesting because we all share this moment, right? We share this moment of the unknown of the situation we find ourselves in right now with COVID-19 and, and all of that. But it's funny because it's not like we had put pause on all the other things that we're suffering through in this world. Circumstances, perhaps mistakes of the past, things that kind of come back and haunt us. Situations, whether it's economically or relationally, or those, those situations haven't been put on pause. We're still in the midst of it. And now they're only more complex as a result of this moment and this time. And I want you to know that our God empathizes at the deepest level with you. He knows the temptations that you face because of the emotional responses that you have going on he knows the temptation you face to to engage in the anxieties and the stresses of this moment he knows he understands what this moment is like for you and he empathizes with you he leans in close because he understands what you're going through maybe this moment is the straw that is breaking the camel's back in your life, the season that we find ourselves in. Perhaps the brokenness of this world has, has built up to a place where you feel like you're at the very bottom. And I want you to know that there is a God who can empathize at the very bottom of the pit. He knows you. He loves you. He understands what you're going through. And the word of God says that he's with you. He pursues you. He's chasing after you. Even to the bottom of the pit, he is with you. And he is for you. And not only does he empathize, 
But as we as we're going to see, he makes a way out. He's made a way out for you. You don't have to exist at the bottom of the pit. He went there so you don't have to. And we're going to just unpack that a little bit. Hebrews 2, 10. He now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect through suffering as he leads all these people to glory. I I want you to take a moment to consider the implications of that. Like, I don't know where you're at in this journey of faith, whether you're exploring faith with us. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you're a skeptic. Perhaps you're mature in faith. Perhaps you're new to faith. But whatever, wherever you're at right now, I believe that God wants to encourage you with this. That we have a creator that can empathize with you. Jesus is empathy personified. The the writer of Hebrews, he goes on to say, since the one who saves and those who are saved by have a common origin, Jesus doesn't hesitate to treat them as family, saying, I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and sisters, all I know about you. I'll join them in worship and praise to you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, even I, by placing my trust in God. And, and yet again, I'm here with the children God gave me. It's amazing how well Jesus modeled the way of faith for us. Remember, the argument has been made that Jesus is the same God who is present at the moment of creation. Uh, many of you, perhaps you, you haven't had a chance to jump into our Spotify playlist. I, I selected that playlist because each and every one of those songs kind of plays into what we're talking about today. And if you didn't have a chance to jump on that playlist and kind of worship kind of in your homes together, I encourage you in the description of our, our both our Facebook and YouTube descriptions, the link to that Spotify playlist is there. But just subscribe to that playlist. We're going to be updating that weekly. But just the songs in there speak of this reality that Jesus was both present at, at salvation, at the cross, the resurrection, but he was also present at the very beginning, at the creation of all things. He is God Almighty. He always has been. And the writer of Hebrews has made this argument already. Yet, when he came to this earth, he identified with us in a way that is amazing because he identified with our suffering by becoming human. He came in flesh and blood. And so he endured all that this world has to offer, all of its beauty, all of its grandeur, but also all of its suffering and all of its brokenness. And he understands what it is to live in this world. And yet he worshiped the Father just as we are to worship the Father. He modeled what it is to be human. He he put his trust in the Father God just as we're called to put our trust in God as well. And that, that's why I love the metaphor of being apprentices of Jesus. What does faith really look like? Faith is about watching the example of Christ and following it. What do apprentices do? Do apprentices just simply sit in classrooms and learn theory through lectures? No, that's not, that's not what an apprenticeship looks like. Though there's moments for that, and that's valuable, apprenticeship is when you find a master in that trade or in that craft, and you follow them. You watch them. You observe how they do what they do. 
You get your hands dirty. You get involved in it. That's what apprenticeship looks like. This is the way of faith. Leaning into a relationship with the master who shows us how to be human, even in a broken world. He shows us a better way. He's the one who models faithfulness and love, even to the point of deepest suffering. And he endured it so he could overcome that suffering, that brokenness, that sin, and give us life. He pioneered salvation, a new way to be with our Creator. Verses 14 to 15, since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. There is a freedom for you if you have been living life scared to death of death living life cowering through life scared to death of death and that's not a judgment it's simply a statement that describes even me before i came to christ in a very real and personal way you know i grew up in a christian home and and, and i had seasons in my life where faith was on the back burner I wasn't really pursuing God or practicing any sort of faith in, in, a, in, a, in a meaningful way. I would go through the motions, but it wasn't meaningful. It wasn't something that I was pursuing. I wasn't pursuing God. And I would have these moments, and it was usually when I was alone at home, and I would contemplate, and, and these happened many times where I would begin to contemplate eternity. Have you ever sat there and just thought through the, the concept of eternity? Like it's a, it's a mind-numbing concept because your brain always wants to bring conclusion to something. Conclusion, conclusion, but it doesn't come. The more and more you think about it, and in that season of my life, I was not pursuing the things of faith. I was not pursuing God. Um, I had a lot of questions about my uh, status uh, with God because of that. And those thoughts about eternity scared me so much. I was scared to death of death. So much so that I would actually call up friends and try to put something together in my social calendar just so I could get out of the house, get going, doing something, get busy again. So I don't have to think about these things. Friends, I think we're in a season right now where busyness has been stolen away from us. And I think that's the best thing for humanity. Because when busyness is gone, we are confronted with the thoughts and the concepts and the things that matter. The deep things, the metaphysical things, the existential questions of life and what is this all about and what are my priorities and where is my heart. And friend, I don't know where you're at right now, but Jesus is trying to get your attention. Because he loves you and he empathizes with where you're at. And you don't have to fear death because he made a way to life through his death, his suffering, and his resurrection. He's made a way for you. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. 
scared to death of death. And maybe that's you today. In the midst of this climate where things are escalating and our thoughts are escalating and our anxieties are growing. And whether you know Jesus or you're exploring faith in him, you might just need to hear this. That Jesus suffered to the very point of death. Fully human, but also fully God so he could overcome it. He didn't overcome for himself. He didn't overcome death and sin for himself. He overcame it because of his great empathy towards humanity. His great empathy towards you. Because death is our destiny in a broken world, but Jesus changed the outcome. He is a savior for all humanity. All who experience the very depths of suffering, all who are scared to death of death, he offers you life as the alternative. And you don't have to be like those who cower through life scared to death of death. We've all been there. But in this moment, I want to introduce you to God, a God who loves you, a God who's for you. And I don't care if you're 60 years into loving Jesus or you're brand new or exploring faith. This is for you. You need to come back to a Jesus who suffered to the point of death and overcame it and empathizes with your situation, where you're at, your thought life, your emotional health right now. He understands it. He knows it. And he draws near to you. Will you draw near to him? Jesus is empathy personified on a macro level for all of humanity but also on a micro level he cares about you let's take a moment to pray before we transition to communion and we remember the work of christ in a meaningful way across this region lord god we thank you that you are with us that you empathize with our situation in this moment. And Lord, we pray that you would draw near. Lord, I pray for those exploring faith, perhaps skeptics or, or, or those who have questions about faith, or those who um, have walked away for perhaps church but have con considered themselves agnostic. Lord, if, if you're here, I just want to say Jesus wants to touch you today. He wants to reach out and prove himself to you today. Will you accept him? And if you want to pray this prayer, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and my life. I recognize that I need a Savior. I recognize that the brokenness around me is a reality that can only be touched and changed by Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and my brokenness and come in and restore me to life. That I don't have to cower through this life scared to death of death, but rather to have an assurance of life and the life to come in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here and you are mature in faith, but you're freaking out a little bit. Lord, we just invite your presence. Prince of Peace, we invite you into our moment right now, into our families, into our marriages, into our workplaces, into our economic situations, into our relational situations, and we ask, Lord, that you would be the Prince of Peace in the midst of this storm. I think of your words in that boat. You, you spoke to that storm. You said, peace be still. Lord, whether we see the storm 
and the waves and everything begin to lessen or we don't, either way, we can have an assurance that in this storm, as we lean into you, we can have moments of peace be still. And so, God, we lean into you today. The God who empathizes with our situation and knows us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you just a moment. If you do, if you want to join us in communion, where I'm going to have um, Pastor Marcus and Pastor Lisa join us. And for those of you that are wondering about um, just distance and proximities, uh, Pastor Marcus, and obviously, if you don't know, Pastor Lisa is my uh, is my partner in life and and ministry, but also uh, is my wife, and we're married. Uh, and Pastor Marcus is our second son. We've adopted him. We have. And he uh, he's basically uh, at our house all the time. And so we figured right now we're considering ourselves just one family. And so for those of you that are worried about proximity right now, um, I get it. But we're trying our very best to walk you through this. So if you have your elements, whether it's crackers or Teddy Grahams or, or uh, fish crackers, I don't know what you have. I don't know what you have, maybe Kool-Aid or um, milk. I don't know. I don't know what you have. I know that this is this is a little bit unorthodox, but I think extreme measures, right? Extreme times call for extreme measures. But communion is about remembering. It's about understanding and remembering and perhaps even inviting the Spirit to give us a deep revelation of what Jesus did for us on the cross, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so we're going to do that together. i just give you a few moments. Just get yourself situated. Get yourselves um, set for that. For those of you who had sent in your prayer requests, we are going to pray specifically for those at the conclusion of this moment. Yes. All right. So if you have your if you have your elements in remembrance of him, Paul writes this. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body of Christ together as we remember his broken body, his suffering on behalf of each and every one of us. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's celebrate as we take together in remembrance of his shed blood for us. Praise you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this moment of remembrance together across this region, wherever we find ourselves, with our families. Lord, we are one church. We are one church because you have bonded us together as family in Christ Jesus. We remember, we take this together. We thank you, Lord, for the healing that is found in your blood. We thank you, Lord, for the healing that is found in your broken body for us. And we pray, Lord God, that you would touch 
across this nation, across this globe. Everyone that is infected with this virus, Lord, we lift them up to you in Jesus' name. Lord, would you be with all of those that are a part of this vulnerable sector, those that are going through um, treatments with diabetes and, 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 and chemotherapies and respiratory issues. And Lord, would you come alongside those that have have a reason to be perhaps fearful in this moment, give them wisdom, but Lord, would the, your peace surround them and your protection surround them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So God, Amen. we lift up these family members who have just been diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. God, we thank you that you are still our great physician. You are still our healer. And as we remember the cross, we remember your promise yes, that by God. your stripes, we are healed. And so, God, we pray that you would be peace, that you would be comfort in this moment, that you would be strength and sustenance. So, God, we also pray for your miraculous healing mm -hmm. over these two individuals. God, we pray for the situation of domestic violence. God, we pray that you would remove the heart of stone, that you mm -hmm. would intervene um, in the heart of this abuser, yeah, that you yeah. would make them just so aware of their sin against you, that you would intervene and bring them to a place of salvation. Because we know, God, that when we surrender our lives to you, everything changes. Mm -hmm. God, we pray um that there would be courage in this moment to stand up and to invite the right authorities in to um, just walk a path of justice, to walk a path of mm -hmm. restoration, um, and to walk a path of safety. Because you are a God who is a safe God. You bring us um, to places of safety. And so, Lord, would you right now protect um, this individual? Would you just work this situation um, to be one where you would be realized in your precious name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope that this has been life-giving to you. Um, it's funny, I'm sitting, you know, I'm with these guys now, but they're in the lobby uh, just kind of commenting. And, you know, you can sit in an empty room, and yet you can know that the presence of God is near. And as I sat here, I just know that the presence of God is near. And I hope wherever you're watching this, whether you're alone or you're with family, that you would know the presence of God. Whether you're exploring faith or mature in Jesus, that you would know the presence of Almighty God who empathizes and knows your situation and loves you dearly. God bless you, everyone. And we hope that you have a great week. Be safe, be wise, but be full of faith and his peace. God bless.